Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Welcome back into another episode of Scary and the Scrub. I'm Matt DeMarinas. That's our title host, Gordon Scurry. Back at you with a uh, special guest, Tony Boone. And uh, filling in for Ravi Lula in the post fight is Darren <laughs> Bunning. <laughs> Great filling. Great filling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'll take and it. We got the other herd at brother here. The, 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 yeah. the, the second part of Dish and Ish. Um, there it is. That's a new podcast, by the way. You guys got to check that out. It's good stuff. Um, so we're going to do all this basically Crawford Spence reaction. We're going to put the fight to bed. We gave you the preview um, last Thursday. So now we're just going to react to it because uh, the Omaha boy put on a show and he needs his flowers and we're going to give them to him. That's why we got a um, podcast. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. So for the uninitiated, if you are like fell asleep, fell into a coma, just woke up out of it. Uh, Terrence Bud Crawford put on a beating on Saturday. Uh, TKO nine. Probably could have been stopped earlier. He was up 79-70 on all three scorecards before um, the referee finally stepped in. Uh, oddly enough, two of the judges gave Spence round one, which I agreed with. I gave him round one as well. Um, but David Sutherland gave Spence round three. And I don't know <laughs> why, because I felt like that was beat down central from end of two on. Um, so I don't know what he was seeing there. Maybe it was just like, wow, I can't believe Spence is still standing and swinging. Maybe that was just kind of like an awe moment for him. Um, but the rest of the cards were all just wipeouts. As soon as Bud got loose in round two, it was just a complete tidal wave. Um, so we're going to get everybody's reactions to this, and we're going to break down just kind of what this fight represented and what Crawford's resume looks like now, what his future prospects are, and where he stands kind of historically, both in boxing and in Omaha sports history. Um, so I guess, Damon, since you weren't on the pod last Thursday for us, I'll let you tee off with some of your reactions to um, maybe how you felt about the matchup going in, just kind of your, your final, final gut reaction to it, what you thought was going to go down, and how it played out according to that from what yeah, you were so watching on Saturday night. It's, it's crazy, right? Because I'm telling you guys, and TB is – Tony's been around me a long time, and Maddie, you're one of those guys that I'm like, man – I've said this for years since like 15 or 16. I'm like, I think Dream Marinas is one of those guys that I like more than he likes me. So I was always <laughs> like – so I'm Same, like, same. Like, I felt like, that I, way too. I felt that way so too. I don't worry. I, I have a tendency to be a little insecure. I felt like – Going into this fight, like I was crazy. I'm like, do they know something? I don't know. Am I, do I lack objectivity? Because when it comes to Terrence, like it, it's easy, right? Like I, I can be a little blinded. I can, I can know things um, just because, you know, I talk to him a ton or, or, or whatever. B but when I was looking at Cap in this fight, I, I thought people were overcomplicating it. I just felt like, Spence would not be willing to walk through what Terrence was committed to doing. And anybody that knows Crawford, that's been around Crawford, he, he's crossed over in this fine line between stubborn to determined. And I, I just, I just didn't think Spence, the pot, what the kids would say was, ah, you know, Spence didn't want that smoke. But that's really how I feel. I, I just didn't think, Spence was talking about money and the, the pre-fright, the, the pressers and the and the pay-per-view buys and being on the A side. Terrence was talking about history, right? And and kind of what the significance of the sport. And 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 right away I just got the sense, you know, Spence has no idea how bound and determined Terrence is. This is all he's ever wanted to do since I've known him at you know, seven. 17, 18 years, this is all he's known is he wants to fight. He wants to be a world champion. And when the fight played out, I had originally said Crawford in 11. Then I think I went to Crawford in 10. I did not see the domination. But what I did see was is a one-dimensional fighter that was going to have his problems with a guy that was willing to go the extra mile. And and I pretty much think, I know hindsight's 2020, but man, I, I said it before the fight and I'll, and I'll say it again. I, that 
was a little easier than I thought it would be, but the result was almost the exact round that I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that's pretty wild. And Tony, when we were talking in the preview, right, preview pod, you know, I called I called Spence basic and I felt bad about it. I think one dimensional is probably the, the more respectful way to put it. Like, <laughs> but when you watch that fight go down and you saw – you saw what Crawford was kind of doing tactically. It wasn't anything too complicated, right? He had a plan and he felt like Spence wasn't going to be able to handle it. And I think it exposed what Spence is kind of as a fighter. And I think it what we saw on Saturday was like puncher versus boxer, right? Like Spence has a playbook and it's the same playbook he always utilizes, right? And Bud was the guy who kind of just did his film study came with a game plan and said this is how you beat a guy like that and i'm just gonna do it round by round until he either can't get up anymore or someone throws in the towel or the ref steps in that's kind of how it played out right yeah well it goes back to the old like uh tyson saying about getting punched in the face you know everybody has the plan um the thing is that, that makes crawford unique is that he's able to adapt his plan within a fight and uh, everybody knew what Spence was coming in. You know, he wants to get downhill on you and put pressure on you and, and keep you there. And, you know, to this date, and this is what usually happens, you know, at this level of the game, uh, guys can do that until someone comes along that they can't do that too anymore. And that's what happened the other night, you know, uh, Spence wasn't going to be able to do that because Crawford wasn't going to allow him to do that. And uh, yeah, you truly did see how one dimensional, you know, he is because, he couldn't come up with a way to to counter it when things got tough. And uh, kind of like when you were talking about the scoring a little bit ago, you know, things really did change that second round knockdown, even though it was a flash knockdown and it wasn't anything that was like going to drastically, you know, uh, lead to a quick end to the fight. You know, uh, Spence could easily recover from that shot, um, at least physically. I don't know, psychologically he could have, you know, going down for the first time in your career is probably going to take a toll on you uh, up, upstairs a little bit. Um but yeah, like once uh, once Crawford got going, and I think Spence probably realized at that point that he didn't have anything probably more than a puncher's chance, and uh, it was just a matter of how much was he willing to take that chance, knowing that there was a beatdown coming the other way, you know, as he tried to to apply it. And uh, um, DB and I talked about this, you know, uh, a little bit earlier this week that uh, you know the 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 funny thing about Crawford is that everybody tries to, because he's was at a lower weight class and it's coming up and Spence has always been here and has been considered a big, a welterweight that the thing that always gets like underappreciated is Crawford's strength. And, uh, you know, it can be oh, yeah. pretty clear pretty early on that Spence was not the stronger guy in this fight. And I just don't know that Spence had any way at that point to overcome that because everything he counted on was that he was going to be the bigger guy and going to go through Crawford. And it was pretty clear early on that that wasn't going to be the case. Yeah, Jordan, to that point, I think, you know, going into the fight, I think the one thing that I felt was a physical advantage in Spence's favor was his pace because that's kind of how he wears everybody down is, like, his work rate fluctuates throughout a fight. Like, he can go pedal yeah. to metal, yeah. he can back you off, like, and then it just wears you down eventually, and you get into those later rounds, and then he just starts putting combos of the body and head together. He gets that left cross off. Like, were you surprised at how much – how little Spence was able to kind of like be on the front foot and bully bud at any point in the fight, you know, outside of maybe a couple moments in round one, like it really was him just like walking into a wood chipper the whole night. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, I was definitely, I was definitely surprised. I can't lie because it was like I said before, like in the last pod we had, I thought that Spence's advantage would have been if he came out in a way that, made bud rethink his whole you know game plan for the night but he did not at all and if anything he confirmed bud's uh you know game plan for the night and i think you actually hit it on the head i gotta give you your credit where you said he would come out early just in that southpaw stance and i think like coming out just in the first round in it i think was huge in terms of saying like no i'm here and i'm doing what i want to do and i'm determining what happens this night but i think the rest of it is very much a combination between everything you guys said because I thought that Spence's only advantage would have been if he came out like and actually showed Bud something he didn't anticipate, but it was everything Bud anticipated. And he had 
absolute I've never seen that kind of composure. Obviously, we touched on it before, but I've never seen that type of composure from him going into a fight where you you could tell in the walkout. Like I we talked about this, but you could tell in the walkout, man, that this yeah. dude wasn't ready. He wasn't just locked in for the first round. Like you know guys that come out and they're like, "Okay, yeah, these first three rounds, I'm going to give Feel it everything." Bit, yeah. Nope, nope. The look in his eye was, "Nope, this fight is for legacy." Like DB just touched on the point that even in the presser when they were asked like they they were like yeah we're gonna make Crawford said we're gonna make history Spence said we're gonna make a lot of bread uh both of them both <laughs> yeah, of them yeah. did was at the top of their mind they both did what was at the top of their mind so that's why I was just like yeah no the I guess what did surprise me was I guess how little uh of resistance Spence had at the beginning mm. but what what was I guess what surprised me even not really surprised me at the end was just the ability to keep that type of composure and realize which moments meant the most and capitalize them from Bud that we saw in this one were the most impressive to me. That was that was the most impressive thing for the fight, absolutely to me. Yeah, he was. Matty, I, I, Go ahead. I, I'm sorry. I know th- this is your deal, but I'm telling you what the thing that I'm floored about. And I know you got into the fight game, you know, right? You were talking with Houston Alexander and and Jardine and boxing and like kind of when you came along, but. Were you were you guys surprised that Terrence? Just to show you how smart he is, Terrence was the first guy that I ever heard say, "Hey, you know what? Like, I'm gonna take away his jab, and to take away his jab, that meant that Terrence had to stay southpaw." Mm-hmm. And so, fighting as a natural, as an orthodox fighter, as a natural right hander, staying southpaw and not switching. The, yeah. the whole night just to eliminate the jab and like Tony said, just to push Spence around. He's never gonna get credit for that. But mm. to like for for like for a guy like me who watched boxing in the late seventies, the early eighties, like I love boxing as you guys know. That's unbelievable, and I think somebody it might have just been Mo that called him one dimensional. The fact that Spence couldn't keep that lead foot outside Bud's foot because Bud was southpaw the whole night, that was unbelievable for as mm-hmm. high a quality as we thought Spence was. Like, he just couldn't adjust, right? Maybe yeah, one-trick yeah. pony is actually the right word and not whatever it was that I said. But maybe he's <laughs> a one-trick pony. I don't I, I don't know. I mean, See, the last my, thing, my, just, to, just to add on that, the quick thing, though, is that and and obviously even we talked about this before and Tony can add on this more than I even could was I think just and Matt you called this so I just think from that southpaw stance though what I think we're underestimating is his power with his left oh yeah. oh dude it's yeah. like it's it's arguably the same or more well, than the right like I I don't know we could go on a whole tangent about this but. Yeah, no, we talked about this before, so I just had to add on it. Like when you see it, it's just he's so comfortable. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, I want yeah, I want I want to talk about his smarts for a second cuz this is a couple things that stood out to me with his performance from the gate basically. But DB was talking about it during the fight was the right cross, was the right hook, which is what and he was fighting southpaw, so it's a it's a check hook basically all night, but it had yeah. pop on it the entire time, mm-hmm. which is crazy for a check hook to be that potent every time you use it like he made spence pay for being off balance every single time with that and i'm like how are you getting check hooks off against the number four pound for pound fighter in the world like this consistently so the like and not missing with it like right on the button every single time just like pounding that man like he made him pay for everything and the thing here's the thing that impressed me about this performance which like i think it speaks to it's kind of funny because like you know, he in the buildup, you hear all this talk about who Crawford is as a fighter and and how he stacks up against Spence, right? And it's like, yeah, he's more of an athlete, more of a puncher. You know, he's he's got styles, but you know, Spence has the boxing um, fundamentals area in spades over Bud. And it's like, so let's just let's just recap this then. Bud walks out in southpaw stance, right? Immediately from the jump, there was no. I'm starting orthodox and I'm going to feel my way into this thing. I'm coming out and right away I'm smothering your left cross. Like you're not getting that off on me. You're not pump. You're not, you're not getting me on the back foot with that thing. Like he does most orthodox fighters that he's fought in the past. Right. Um, 
So right away, Spence is one of one of Spence's premier weapons in order to dictate pace and and where the fight gets fought is already off the table because of where Bud how Bud is choosing to fight. And the other thing is is Bud's jab. And he talked about oh. this in the post fight. Normally, Bud's jab is more of like a flick, flick, faint, faint, you know, just kind of like make you see it, make you think about it thing. Uh, and they made an, ad- an adjustment in this training camp to make it more of a powerful one, more of a stiff one in order to keep Spence on the back foot and not let him, you know, kind of because Spence will come in with like a one, two, he'll double up the jab, he'll triple up the jab, but he won't like put a lot behind all of them. He's just trying to back you up. So he can mm-hmm. tee off on the body and get his combos going, you know, and set up the left cross with the jab. Bud's like, no, you're back. You're you're going to be on the back foot or stationary or st- or right in front of me the whole time. You're not getting me against the ropes with that thing. Um, and Bud, Bud's timing. Every time Spence would start to pepper with the jab, start to double up with the jab, Bud Bud stuck him with one, like well, stuck one, him in his tracks. One thousand percent. I got so sick of hearing Spence say. Because boxers will do this sometimes when they lose. They'll say, hey, you know, my timing was off. I didn't have it tonight. Do you know why your timing's bad? Right. Because, because your opponent gets you out of rhythm. off. Yeah. He gets yeah. you out of rhythm. Like, he's not, what, he's not doing what you think he's going to be doing. Right. So your time, if every boxer's timing was good, your counter punches would be sharp. Your lead jabs would be good. You know, you you talked about the check hook, Maddie. It was it's so beautiful to watch. I remember Floyd Mayweather knocking Ricky Hatton out with a check hook. Yep. When it's so hard to execute, but you have to be in rhythm and on balance as a fighter to do it. it it's like, oh my, you know, my, my my timing, my timing. Yeah, that's your opponent, your <laughs> opponent, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, not that easy. Exactly. What no, you 100%. said about the jab, though, Matt. Um, like I. Uh, kind of a rabbit hole guy so like you know i hear a good like rap song from the early 90s you can pretty much know that i'm going to disappear for the next three hours because i'm going to (laughs) go find find more to listen to so i had uh i had recorded the de la hoya um (laughs) or or had it on the dvr the de la hoya documentary that's you know come out on hbo or max or whatever they're putting it on nowadays uh so after i watched uh, the fight i'm a big twice, De La Hoya guy tony be yeah. careful so, called it's called the golden the boy fight twice plug for hbo <laughs> uh, after watching the fight twice that night and it was already like four in the morning i, I decided that i'm next just going to go straight into the De La Hoya thing because the crawford jab and what you were saying matt with him you know uh using it more as as a power jab this time around um and it being his offhand, De La Hoya is exactly who I thought of because he is a natural left-handed guy. And they hit on this in his documentary too. He said it was the greatest thing that ever happened to him was that they didn't allow him to fight left-handed when he was a kid. Like they kept turning mm. him around. So he ended yeah. up becoming a right-handed fighter yeah, yeah, where his yeah, strong yeah. hand was his lead hand for his jab his entire career. And, and he again, had one of the best left, left hooks ever in boxing. Yes, yes, exactly. And so that's what that reminded me of, you know, um, and, and I said last week that uh, I think of, of one of the things that we've seen the biggest growth in, in Crawford's game is how he has gone from being a guy that can fight left-handed to a guy who prefers to fight left-handed. And whether that's to take away a jab or to see a punch coming like from a right-handed fighter, which is kind of when he first broke it out against Bradis Prescott, that it was, to, it was to circle and stay away from the right hand. And that gave him the benefit to do that. But watching Crawford as a southpaw then to now – it's almost like you're watching a completely different fighter. But I thought a lot about that that De La Hoya comment, and you just hit on it, Matt, with the, the power that his jab had, that having that strong hand in front and add that to what Damon was saying, where he was able to use that to disrupt what Spence was trying to do was a big factor in the fight. And, I mean, it's just another thing now that you add to you know the versatility of Crawford that, okay, now you, you not only have to fight a guy that's ambidextrous, you now have to fight a guy that – uh has proven power in, in both hands, you know, even when you're talking about just a regular jab now. Yeah. yeah I, I love it. Right. If, if it was just about bag work one, two, one, two, right, left, right, left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people would be good fighters. My mm-hmm. timing was yeah. off. like, yeah, you haven't seen a good Southpaw who's, put, who's putting that his was jab in your right. Face. That like, was the thing. Like who has Spence fought that can do that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, he hadn't even fought an elite level left-hander either. Let's let's yeah. take, take that into consideration. 
Crawford had bought, fought better left-handed guys than Spence had fought coming into this. So even though he's not a traditional southpaw, Bud was still the best left-handed guy that Spence has ever fought. Mm-hmm. So the you know the so here's what's I mean the way this fight was set up was uh, the loser can trigger the rematch, but the winner chooses the weight. And it seemed like first of all. So, you know, in the immediate aftermath, Spence automatically, you know, said everything you expect a guy to say, like, yeah, I want to run it back. I want to do this again. And Bud basically kind of, you know, called the bluff, like, yeah, 154 sounds cool with me, basically because I just beat the brakes off you at 147. Like, seven pounds are going to change that. Um, is it, does it make sense to run this one back? Like, I, I can't think in my mind in MMA or boxing where – a beatdown like this needs to needs to go again right away. Like I know they're both kind of getting into the twilights of their careers too, age wise. But you know, so that you run the risk of never seeing it again, which is fine with me. I don't think I need to see it again, as definitive as this was. But like it does, it, I don't think Spence, especially at the end of the year, like he's talking. Like that's not a that's not a smart move, right? To run this one right back, DB. What do you think? No, not there. This fight wouldn't matter at one eighty. Yeah. 171. So there's two things that bug me, three actually, about Spence that um, makes a rematch non-existent. And, and full disclosure, this is, this is why the fight took so long to happen when people announced the original date, because Bud wasn't going to get PBC paid for three fights, right? He didn't want to he didn't want to win one, lose one, come back for a trilogy because you know, Heyman gets to make all the money and, you know, he yep. just wasn't really interested in that. So originally, you know, Terrence didn't want the rematch clause because he didn't think he'd need it. Right. He looks like a genius now because he doesn't really need it. So that was first and foremost. But the other thing is, is there's three things that's that weight won't matter. Number one, Spence will never be stronger than Terrence. I don't care, you know, people, Terrence can walk around at 66, 67, 68 on a day-to-day basis and be just fine. He gradually loses weight as he goes to camp, but he can walk around in the mid-160s and be just fine. He's a big, strong guy. Number two, the ring IQ, the acumen will never be there for Spence Crawford. Terrence will always figure it out before Errol Spence will. And I don't think Spence can bother him enough with his repertoire to have size be an issue. And the other thing is, I don't I don't think Spence is near as skilled as he needs to be to give Terrence problems. You have to have multiple tools in your tool belt and be able to change whether it's level, ask Sean Porter. Sean Porter just said it best. He's like, yeah, there are a lot of woulda, coulda, shouldas. Sure, I'd like to fight him different, but figuring it out real time, it, it, it's it's hard to do against Crawford. That's what makes him the best. And I think I think those are the three areas in which weight would be pretty much irrelevant if they ran it back. Yeah, and like the other thing, Skur, like I thought level changes was a, was a thing where Spence could really bother Bud because he – Never happened, you know, he, did it? Uh, no, he goes down because he goes downstairs and he'll jab the body, like which is really, you know, I think an underrated, like you know, tool in boxing. Like not enough guys do that. Um, but he also throws combos to the body, but he also faints like level changes where he gets you just to you know adjust the guard a little bit to where it opens up a shot, you know, upstairs or downstairs, one way or the other. But like every time Spence went downstairs, it was to avoid something. Like he was like. <laughs> I, I swear to God, he was like he was like ducking to the canvas. Like Bub was hitting like the back of his head because he like that was the only target that was left. Because Spence is like, look, if 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 I throw this jab out here and like start to do my, you know, start to get on the front foot, something's coming back at me, and I need to avoid it like hell because this dude's got some pop, and I felt it, and I'm going down if I if he hits me clean. Like it was weird, right? Like his he was really like clunky in there with his level changes wasn't he yeah no he could never find he could never find a spot you could see him throughout looking for it but he was never able to and i i, I just think that that's testament to just how nasty bud's game plan was coming into yeah. it one but then two i think it's like to the initial question like run it back it's like why 
Like this is the type of fight. It's like what what do you need to further see? Like, and I don't think there's any. It should, I don't even. I guess is better. Like what what are what are even Spence better saying? Like you you really think you're gonna bet on Spence the next mm-hmm. fight? Like do you really mm-hmm. think there was even enough in that fight to show you? Hey, there's something in this that gives me confidence he's gonna win the next one. I don't even think. I'm gonna be blunt. I don't even think Errol Spence feels that way. Like I think he right. said he said those things, but I don't even think he feels that way. I think it was such a dominant performance from Bud that it doesn't really even warrant that. Like I yeah. I bet more towards <laughs> Bud retiring than fighting him again, to be completely honest with you. Because it's just I, I think he proved everything and we, we talked about it a lot before, where it was just like Bud had more to prove and you saw that. And I yeah. think that's why I don't I don't think this warrants uh, any type of rematch. I think you saw everything you needed to see in that. I thought it, if it was closer, if this was like a 12 round, hey, maybe even somewhere from five through eight, you thought Spence had a fighting chance, mm-hmm. but he didn't. Like, let's be honest. So I, I, I just, yeah, I think that that's what it chalks up to, to me. It's like, there's nothing left to prove when it comes to a rematch. For sure. And Tony, like, I'm seeing a lot of it now, which and, and I feel that's why I feel bad kind of piling on it right now because a lot of people are kind of like doubting what Spence uh, the rest of his career looks like. But man, dude, that I'm telling you, that fight was stopped about two and a half rounds, three rounds too late. He took a severe beating in that fight, and that's not like we have data. Like you don't, you're never the same after stuff like that. You just aren't. And I know it seems like, you know knee-jerk reactionary BS to say that he's never going to be the same, but I was thinking it in round five. I was like, if his corner doesn't throw in the towel and, and because first of all, he has no pop on his punches. Like there's nothing out. Bud's going to have to knock himself out for this, to, for this to change. So this beating's going to continue. Um, and, and if his corner doesn't stop it, or if the ref doesn't step in, like you're taking years off of his professional career, more than you alluded to, in the pre-fight, when you're talking about the, you know, the the outside the ring stuff he's already dealt with mm-hmm. that have taken years off of his prime, like well, we've he's seen never going to be Fer- the... Fernando Vargas, Ike Corte. Yeah. It's um, you're never the same. Alexis Arguello, the second time versus Pryor, like those. It's Meldrick Taylor. It just we. It you're right. It's well. My favorite, Michael Nunn. The, the, yeah. the punishment. Oh, and dude. I'm a huge, I'm a, it's, I'm a huge Michael Nunn guy, but he was never the same. You don't after that. So I'm with you, man. You don't, you don't get that. You don't get those punches back. Like they stay with you forever. So he's, he's, as far as I'm concerned, he's like a war torn fighter now. Like I, I'm not saying he's never going to win another fight again, but it's got to be the right matchup because he's, is that he, was, that was a bad after he got whipped by Hopkins. Yeah, dude. I'm yeah. serious. Like, yeah, you, it's, it, there is no, I'm not, it's not knee-jerk when it comes to fighting. We know when your brain takes a beating like that, you don't, you're never the same. Like that's just it's just a fact at this point. It's science. Like, so Tony, like, forget, let's table Spence Crawford too, because I think everyone here, especially, believes that's just unrealistic, unnecessary. We saw a definitive, a definitive result in the it wasn't a flash KO. It wasn't a like, you know, you can't type it type it up to a fluke performance. Like he beat the brakes off that dude. There's nothing that seven pounds is going to change about that. So what do you see as Bud's next step? Because I think that's more the conversation we should have. Because I don't think anyone here believes Errol Spence is the next step. No, I think the only way that that actually does happen again. And I was of the opinion, and maybe I was in the minority on this going into this fight, that this might have been something they both agreed to but something they both probably knew was never going to happen because, you know, they were both talking about, you know, vacating this weight class after the fight, because either a, in Spence's case, he felt like he's long outgrown this division or in Crawford's face, been there, done that time to move on to the next. So we already saw what Crawford wants his plan to be in the middle of the fight. When he knocked uh, Spence down in the seventh round, he was looking at Jermell Charlo and telling him he was next a couple of times. Um, so uh, that's the one that makes the most sense for Crawford. Um, and I, I think Damon and I were talking about this a little bit, uh, you know, yesterday when, when we, we chatted that uh, that's a great plan for Crawford. The problem is, is that Charlo's already signed up for uh, a big thing this year that mm. maybe he's not the same when he comes out of that. So um, I think that that's a great target 
for for Bud to be gunning for. And I also think that for Charlo, it may, would make a lot more sense for him to have that fight than his upcoming fight against Canelo, oh, other than the fact that the other one's going to be the big payday. Yeah, And sure. so yeah. the the fact that Charlo is going to move up two weight classes to do that, and, and like I, mean, I get it. There, there's been guys that have moved up in weight classes in boxing history. You can go time after time after time again and find out where there were guys that were successful. There are also Canelo, Canelo couldn't, like do it one against, couldn't do it once against Bevel. Like, I uh-huh. don't yeah. know why yeah. Charlo yeah. is confident. Exactly. Like, so, yeah, uh, um, we, we saw it just in within Crawford's late class against two of, uh, two of his former opponents. At the same time, Amir Khan and Kel Brook decided at welterweights that they were going to go up and fight middleweights and fought uh, mm-hmm. Golovkin and Canelo, who were the two best middleweights in the world at the time. And they both got destroyed. Career altering uh, beans. Yes. Kel, Kel, yeah, yeah, Kel Brooks career altering one. In the case of Khan, um, he, they, they were both competitive in those fights. I mean, don't get me wrong; they they yeah. held their own for guys who were undersized against the guys they were at. Um, Brook physically wasn't going to hold up to what Golovkin was dishing out that day, and you know, Khan, as he tends to do, got put to sleep by one punch. Um, but still, like that changed their careers going forward to that so i don't know how it's that's different for charlo because he's not going to go up and beat canelo with 168 if it was 160 maybe um there's there's more of it but i he, he's going to be out of his league and it won't take everybody long to figure that out once that fight gets going but at that point what is going to be his incentive after taking a beating that we can all probably see coming what's going to be his incentive to come back down at 154 and to, to face the likes of crawford that's yeah. not a choice that, that anybody would make, uh, even if everybody in the world is clamoring for it. You know, Crawford would be coming in off the biggest high and riding all the momentum, and you'd be coming off out, off of, uh, you know, a failed attempt to weight classes above where you're at. Um, I just crazy. don't know that it can happen. It's crazy, too, you guys. Screw you guys. It's like they compared Terrence to, to Floyd Mayweather. And listen, they're both in my, my top five faves personally. But it just it lets you know the things that Floyd was doing, like when he he beat Diego Corrales. Diego Corrales was six one; he was one hundred and thirty pounds. Mm-hmm. Floyd was a little guy, and I get, get it. They, you know, Corrales was a monster, and whatever he whatever demons he was chasing before that fight, Floyd beat him pillar to post. Remember, Floyd hammered Alvarez, Canelo, and yeah. people will use Canelo's age against him. Man, Floyd was not in his prime. He was Mm-mm. significantly smaller on fight night. It's just very, very rare that you can move weight classes with that kind and have your power travel with you. Mm-hmm. Floyd is rare. Terrence is rare. Well, I don't. I have no idea what Charlo is thinking because he's not near as skilled as any of the aforementioned guys. I, mm-hmm. I just, shoot, Canelo tried, again, I just said it, Canelo tried it against Bevel. And that was to no avail. Like it's right. You just don't get out of bed and move up seven or or twelve pounds in a weight class and think, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In this Here's case, the, fourteen. Yeah. Here's the thing that I can see the like where I can see this fight being next on the docket for Crawford is like, I think Crawford should is like he fought twice this year. He had the whole build up with Spence that he did a pre camp for the fight camp. So it's like he's been basically in fight mode for the last what seven eight nine months essentially yeah, right that's, that's, I, I mean that's, i'd say so i'd say five yeah. years i'd say five five years. Yeah, you, 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 you can say yeah. seven months but go ahead go ahead go ahead <laughs> i mean physically physically yeah physically he's been in fight camp fight fight sh- since fight age mode seven for, yeah exactly um so i think like i think he i don't know i'd be done for the year if i were him just kind of like kick back like enjoy your spoils like definitely wait wait for the wait for the thing to shake out for you because yeah. you're not the yeah. spence thing doesn't make well, any you... damn sense at the end of the year certainly not at the end of the year because spence needs some time off and yeah. uh which he could get exactly what you're asking for if he goes to charlo route you let that other fight happen and then exactly. come back with that one next year yeah. the problem is that you might be waiting for something that's never going to come and he's had enough of his career spent waiting for something that was never going to come, which I'll get to a little bit later when we start talking about Crawford and the significance of what happened the other night and finally getting these paid dues mm-hmm. um, over time. But uh, I just, you know, if you're banking on that Charlo fight happening after the Canelo fight, I think that's probably wishing a little bit too much ahead because we don't know what Charlo is going to be like after that Canelo fight. Yeah, Assuming sure. that goes off. The best, th- the best thing that could happen for Crawford is that fight gets bagged somehow. Yeah. Like whether, you know, somebody – has something happen and there has to be a fill in or 
Canelo pulls can, out or I whatever. Can, I can see of. weight weight being an issue for Charlo. Like he just yeah. didn't want to. Yeah. I I mean because I mean he would be inflated. Oh god! I, I just don't. Yeah. Know, I just don't know how he could be comfortable. No, he's right. going to be carrying so much like just un unaffected right. like. Wait, just and, water, and water if you have the scenario like you had with Roy Jones going up to heavyweight and then trying to drop back down, you know, you're yeah, not yeah, the yeah. same fighter after you bulked up to try to get back. Yeah. Um, I do want to jump into uh, Crawford's resume here because this is something that Tony like just hammered the nail on at the end of our preview pod last Thursday. So before we jump in, I just want to like lay it out for everybody so people can understand the context of what we're about to talk about. Um, so he's 40, Bud, Terrence Bud, Bud Crawford is 40 and 0 now, 31 KOs, 8 and 0 at welterweight. Uh, he stopped everybody, 70 KOs, 1 KO. Um, first undisputed light welterweight champ since Casa Zoo in 2004. Um, he did that in Lincoln in 2017 when he stopped Julius Ndonga with a nasty body shot um, at Pinnacle Bank Arena. And he's the first undisputed welterweight champ since 06. Zab Judah did that. He did that last Saturday. He's the first. He's the only um, male boxer to be undisputed in two different weight classes. Um, the Spence Crawford this weekend was the sixth largest gate in Vegas history. It passed Canelo Mayweather and it passed uh, Mayweather De La Hoya for that spot. Um, he's one of only seven fighters in the four belt era, which I think started in 2006 or seven, six, I think six. Yeah. So he's one of only seven fighters since then to be undisputed when all four. Um, So like to Tony's point off of how we ended the last pod jumping into now, where are we putting this man? What's his rightful place among, and I'm glad we have Damon on here too, because I hold you in, and I'm sure a lot of people do hold you in high regard in terms of p- people that have come out of Omaha and been ambassadors, both like with their play on the field. And then not only that, but just, you know, continuing that in, in, you know, off the field and just being present in the community and raising the profiles of, of the generations behind them. Um, where does Crawford belong? Like where is his rightful place in the pantheon of athletes that have come out of Omaha. And I think it's only right to let Damon tee this one off first, if that's cool. Yeah. yeah t- t- Tony is, is a lot. More. Tony's been at this longer with this yeah. rally cry. So I'll let him go last. He's been saying this for, for 10 years minimum, but I, I and listen, Johnny Rogers is practically family. He calls me nephew, <laughs> but Crawford is safe for you safely in my opinion in the top four and if you wanted to make him three ahead of grover i have zero problems with it um the only thing that i hold against grover as a pitcher in baseball you know the segregated era not playing against top flight competition across Mm -hmm. the board he Mm -hmm. couldn't control it yeah but um if i'm looking to split hairs to put one ahead of the other that's why I would put Crawford at three, but he's certainly no further than four. You know, Bob Gibson is is without question one. Gail Sayers number two, uh, and I'm I'm willing to kind of die on a hill of, of Bud Crawford being at three. That, I I don't I don't have any. I don't feel bad about it. I I, I could sleep well at night. I, <laughs> what he's done is it's off the. It's off the charts, you guys. It is, and you know what? Yeah. You know what we're you know what we're really dismissing. And he'll be thirty six on the 29th or thirtieth of September. I think it's the 29th. Um, September B days. What's up, Gertie? And uh, and uh, Virgo season. <laughs> you'll be hard pressed to find another fight where he fought better. He looked yeah on Saturday night like he was in his prime. I, I, yeah. So. He's, and he's going to be 36 in, in a month and a half. So I don't have any qualms with putting Terrence in, in the top three. Without question, he belongs in the top four. Yeah. Discur, out of respect for our guests who have a far greater grasp of the history yeah. of this. I was topic. just about I, to say. I just want to, I want to, I'm going to bow out. I think we should both bow out. <laughs> I'm definitely, I'm, I'm definitely guys... bowing out. I was just about okay. to say, my only connection, I'm just like, 
yeah, Bud's Bud's the only one I know personally, and I've met yeah. that's on that Mount Rushmore, and there I know go. that for sure. And we just confirmed yeah. that. But yeah, obviously, I'm definitely bowing out of this one. And Tony, like as as Damon alluded to, like you've been strapping up headgear and lacing mm-hmm. up those gloves for a long time on this topic, longer than yeah, you, you anyone took your else lumps, has TV. been. You took you took your yeah. lumps. Yeah, like there are some people who are held in high regard and. You know, Terrence Crawford is the newest one of the party, and people don't like to give up those spots they've already put people in. But, you know, at this point, like, every everybody he's fought who is supposed to be the toughest challenge of his of his career, and I, I said this to DB on Saturday, like, every time he's fought somebody who's supposed to be the baddest dude he's ever faced, he elevates. That's greatness. Like, every time he's like, oh, man, I don't know if, if this is going to be the one or not. And, like, and then he just tunes them up. Like, where, where I mean... I know this is probably, you're going to probably sound like a broken record because you've been saying this for, you know, years now, but how much did Saturday night reaffirm where you believe his rightful place in terms of in, 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 in the pantheon of Omaha athletes belongs? Well, it justified my talk. If anything yeah. else, you know, I had no control over it. I was saying what I believed, but he I no longer sound I like believed. the crazy man pulling out my hair. Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I, and I try to pride myself in the fact, and, and I can, I, use the fact that we all kind of and Damon you're from a different background uh you know coming straight more from straight athletic career into this um, yeah. as far as like a, a journalistic perspective on, on a sports career but we all go through those transitions from if we were athletes to becoming non-athletes and things like that and even in my case you know as a former like radio guy who had to be the homer play-by-play guy to the non-partisan guy there I have always tried to pride myself in that like okay, you're hearing it from me about the guy from Omaha and I happen to be from Omaha, but I'm still giving you the unbiased perspective. Everything I've ever said about Crawford was that it's a guy who has watched boxing, had nothing to do with the fact that I've known him since he was a teenager and I covered him for all those years and man, he looks good to me and I happen to know him. It had nothing to do with any of that. It was about the the performances. And if anything, I'm still pissed kind of at Bob Arum because that this night for, for Crawford where he's finally getting <laughs> so, his due so bad. should have so should have come Serious. yes should have come a long time ago because the yeah. name should, on the other side of uh, in the L column should not be Errol Spence now it should have been Manny Pacquiao then and Crawford kept having Pacquiao the Pacquiao fight dangled in front of him when all of us knew and I used to get in fights with people at the World Herald because someone would mention. Oh, hey, they're mentioning Crawford Pacquiao again. Let's go with it. And I would refuse to write a story that would go into print because I knew he wasn't fighting Pacquiao next. And I wasn't going to tell the Omaha public that wasn't all in on the boxing game that somebody said Pacquiao's name and therefore they were going to be let down by the fight that Bud actually got because we as a paper teased who he was going to fight when we had no knowledge. I go, we will report Pacquiao Crawford when Pacquiao Crawford's happening and not before. But, the, mm. but here's the here's the deal. Like, mm. at the time, Aram in his stable had a cash cow and a young lion. And he could have fed the cash cow to the young lion and tried to make Crawford the big thing at any point going along. But he knew that that had to be at the very end of Pacquiao's career. And he was going to string that out and take as many Pacquiao paydays as he could. And we were finally getting to that point. And then Jeff Horn spoiled the party. Because he wasn't supposed to win that fight, that was eventually. And then Crawford going has to, be... to beat Horn's ass, and he gets and he gets demonized yeah, for it. And, it's like, and yes, exactly, and that which is had nothing to do with Crawford himself. So the yeah. fact that that got drug out so long, then he never got the big name, big fight on his resume until yeah. Saturday. I mean, yeah. that's like almost six or seven years later than he should have had that. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel completely vindicated by all of this because of what happened today of all days. So. Last night, finally, the Ring Magazine tweets out that Crawford is now, by their voting of their panel, whoever's on it now, is mm-hmm. now the number one fighter in the sport found for pound. Mm-hmm. And so I saw that, and I, I waited till the day to, to quote tweet it, and I did. And I'm like, that's great, but he's been the best fighter in the sport since the day Andre Ward walked away. And I yeah. tagged did you see, Andre did Ward you see, Did you see what Andre Ward said? Andre Ward seconded it. He said... Newsflash, Crawford's the best fighter on the planet. Second newsflash, he's been the best fighter on the planet for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Which is which is really all that I've been trying to say, even though I've tried to even temper it a little bit by, even though I've 100% believed that, I've even tried to say, 
that he is one of the best in the game, just so there's no bias, like, put my way. You know, Real if I quick, say he's the know, best, then... You yeah. know what the other crazy yeah, but, thing about but the, the fact matter, that, thing That's is? true. And uh, and I feel backed up by that because I, I saw that too, Damon. So not only did I tweet that out, I tagged Ward's tweet right behind it. And Andre Ward liked both of those because we are of like minds <laughs> on that. Because we actually <laughs> follow the sport and watch boxing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what else is crazy about the Ring Magazine thing? Is like not only is Bud now number one pound for pound on their on their list, but he's he's of the top ten guys, he's been on the list the longest. Longer than Canelo, longer than Loma, longer than everybody. Like by a significant margin. So he's not only been now he's not only number one now, finally, but he's been like in the top ten of this pound for pound list longer than anyone else is on the list. That's the thing that kind of blows my mind is like he, he should have been getting these he should have been the A side a long time ago. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing is why Spence was arguing about why he's the A side and who sells tickets. Mm. One guy was losing about two pounds every four days to make <laughs> sure that he was okay because weight cutting is tough for him too. Yeah. And they figured it out on Sunday or Saturday. For it's sure. tough out here. <laughs> stuff like stuff out. Stuff out. And, and and back to what to what you're asking your original question. I'm sorry. I just wanted to make sure I got into that. that we should have. Everybody should have known a long time ago how good Crawford really is because he should have gotten a big fight a long, a long time before Saturday. But back mm. to your original question. Yes, I at the time that the, that last list came out for for athletes in Nebraska, I was already arguing then that Crawford should have been behind Grover Cleveland Alexander, who is not an Omaha guy, as you were talking, Matt, but a Nebraska guy when we look at that list. In Omaha, my argument then was, like, w- like why, why don't we take a look at Bud's accomplishments at that point and Bob Boozer, who is number four on the Nebraska list and would be would have been number three then on, like, an Omaha-only list because, you know, mm-hmm. Grover Cleveland Alexander was from St. Paul in, in central Nebraska. Uh but that was my argument then that we're already talking. He's already top five and his ranking in that list, which, you know, upset me to no end was nowhere near that. Um, so uh, I have been, you know, on the soapbox talking about that forever since, but I, uh, whereas I can understand Damon's uh, discussion there. My, my questioning is now like, at what point do we start talking about, you know, Crawford and Sayers, if we're really going to make that list again, because mm-hmm. unfortunately, Gail's career wasn't that long, spectacular, but not that long. And oh, Crawford, I, I'm, here, I'm, here, I'm here for it. That, that's yeah. And I mean, Crawford's you're, you're not been, out. Of, you're not out of pocket. And yeah, I mean, um, Craw- and I, Crawford uh, has been on that list for a long time. You said we've all known the level he's been at for quite a while. We love the wax poetic with nostalgia, but you're certainly not out of pocket with relative to their sport, given the era that. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't fight you over it. I certainly wouldn't yeah. argue with you about it. Um, and I don't, I, I don't want to hijack the podcast here, Matt. But, but Damon, I'd like to get your take on this. The one of the things that I've been struggling Please with do. this week, <laughs> uh, I've been struggling with this week, is that after watching Crawford on Saturday night, I think about um, you know the great welterweights uh, of just our lifetimes. Whoa. You know, and you and I are roughly, the, you and I are roughly the same age. Damon and I were talking uh, about this on Saturday too. <laughs> yeah, Matt, we, yeah. Yeah, we were we were talking about it right after the fight. So yeah. that's how fresh this yeah. was in our mind. But uh, go back to like you know whether, whether it's the '80s era where you have you know Hagler or not Hagler uh, Hearns, uh, Leonard and Duran fighting at that weight class, or the '90s which were so great. Undefeated Corte, undefeated De La Hoya, undefeated Trinidad. Pernell Whitaker was the pound for pound number one right around then. Like those guys, and even more freak uh, more recently with Pacquiao and, and Mayweather. Think of all of those guys at welterweights in their welterweight primes. How many of them would you choose to beat the Crawford that we saw on Saturday night? There, there's See, only Damon, two. like Damon, Damon, I told Damon, I'm like, I'm a De La Hoya Mark. Like, that's how I got into this game. That was like the very number one. Like, that's how I started looking back and looking forward in this sport. Like, but honestly, anyone other than Pretty Boy under 160, and I'm not even talking about money. Money gets that work too. Money Mayweather is not beating Bud. So it's pretty so, boy Floyd, and that's the only there, one I'm flipping a coin for. Everyone else, there's is there's it. only two that I think are in the discussion. Floyd for sure, and I'm not. I wouldn't fight over that. But I I do think Sugar Sugar Ray Leonard is underappreciated. Like you back Bud okay. down a weight class. I think Sugar Ray belongs in the discussion. Hearns was significantly bigger than him. 
mm-hmm. uh, walking around, and I, and that was a problem for Sugar Ray, and and he probably shouldn't have fought past the the cornea or the retina, but I, I think it, it, it's 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 Mayweather, it's Crawford, it's Sugar Ray. He he beats Duran, uh, he beat her. Any one trick pony that is not very good defensively, hmm. you you just you just can't win. It's ha- Hagler or, or, or excuse me, Hearn's face w- would be worse than Spence. Duran, I don't even <laughs> want to talk about. Right, like, right, just not not just not good enough defensively, in my mm-hmm. opinion, to keep Terrence off of him and. Get it. I get it, man. Those those guys hit hard, but Terrence's boxing acumen and his ring generalship is unprecedented. He drops Spence three times more than Spence had ever touched ever. the canvas. He yeah. stopped Porter. Porter had never been stopped. Before. We we keep making all these excuses. I, I mean, even if people wanted to say Brooke was washed, no one's done him like that before. Like, yeah, no, even if he no, was past it, at, like same way he did post off. And yeah. granted, it was it, it was it was you know the fight trickled, and I get it. You know, Terrence was was coasting at that time, but he did the same thing to Cavalasquez. Um, we appreciate Gamboa's victory more now than we did real time. I'm telling mm. you, he suffers from the Floyd Mayweather syndrome. Seriously. He beat. I remember when Floyd beat Haddon. Haddon was washed. Pacquiao yeah. beats Haddon, and Pacquiao is like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe he's prolonged his career." Right? Like, <laughs> oh, like, wait a minute. He just got. He just took a check hook in you guess the, the same, yeah, seventh the same or treatment. ninth round. Yeah, like yeah. it's like, what are we doing? Canelo was too green. Oscar was too old. Haddon was over. Was was his career was over? Like, Pacquiao was hurt. Like. It's like diminishing returns in everyone he everyone he wiped out, but it's like okay, but he wiped them all out. Like, did anybody see the size difference? Go go back and watch Canelo and Mayweather. He was playing yeah. with Canelo. It wasn't yeah. even like yeah, it was never stressful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I I, I want to wrap this up real quick in in one facet because like I, I, first of all, I'm really glad you guys hopped on the pod because I mean Tony knows how I feel about him, um, because we kind of like. You know, at the end of your writing career was kind of like the beginning of mine. And, you know, I think it goes without saying that I looked up to you a lot, even though most of our conversations were back and forth. Um, so I really appreciate you hopping on this pod uh, because it's been good to catch up with you. It's been good to talk boxing with you like old times. Um, and it's just good. To I've, I've, like... I've, I've, I've always said TB makes Dirk Chatlin look like a guy that goes along to get along. And and I love <laughs> Dirk, right, Greg? Yeah, but but so. but but T- TB would stand his ground when it wasn't popular to do so. Mm. He he was the first that I knew that would that would buck the system, and I think and Dirk's d- great. But 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 TB, yeah, I mean, give, give gotta get give credit where credit is due. No question, and and appreciate that. And 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 uh, actually, DB, you're not on here, um, just coincidentally either because. You know, Jordan and I spent a lot of time talking. Um, not all of it gets recorded, but he told yeah. me he told me a really interesting story the other day about how he chose his major when the Boston kid came to Omaha looking for a kind of an identity. Uh so Jordan, I don't know if you want to like rehash Uh-oh. how you don't make me emotional, man. You know, hey, you're off camera. Story. You're off camera. Yeah. Cool. No, but okay. that, that that was a good segue because no, man, I talk a lot. Matt obviously knows he's just one of my biggest mentors in this game and helping me like understand the world of sports media and how to not be so reactionary to everything and, you know, kind of pick a lane. But I think in helping me pick my lane, like one of the biggest things is, and again, like Matt was saying, DB, Tony, appreciate you guys both for being on. But for me, DB, like, I know we've never even been on a pod or really chatted like that before. But for me, it was when I was a freshman at Creighton, uh, I was having a little bit of trouble, you know, picking my major. I knew I obviously wanted to get into a space to talk about sports, write about sports, whatever it might be. Um, Mm -hmm. And at the time, we had our just academic coordinator, Jim Dorsey. And I was big on like, I was like, man, I don't, I don't love writing, like writing. That's a lot. Like, uh, like whatever. And so he was just like, okay, like 
but I just see you more in this light. Like I, I, I know what you like. I talk to him every day, obviously going to study hall. So it'd be like, okay, this is what I see for you. This is what you're telling me you want. This is how I'm going to do it. And so again, uh, probably another story to why to listen to, you know, the adults and people in charge. But Jim said to me when I was like, you know, debating between journalism and communications i wanted to go communications he was like no you should be in journalism like you're going to thrive in this especially at the school and i was like why like what do you mean like i don't know if i want to like do that i heard some of the classes are hard you know classic freshman stuff right 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 so he told me he said go home man he goes look up damon benning he goes this is who i could see you being like here in omaha whatever you want to do for your career he goes look this guy up listen to some of his whatever you can find on youtube radio, whatever you can find. And if you don't like some of his stuff, tomorrow we'll put your major in. You can be communications. And of course I go back, I look at some of your stuff because I had always said like my biggest, like, I guess, idol in the sports space was Stuart Scott when it came to, you know, broadcasting journalism kind of thing. Right. And so he had told me to look you up. I went back, looked up all your stuff, man. And I know you started even this off saying you didn't like your voice and everything, but that's how I felt nope. getting into it. Right. Right. But that's, that, that's how it is. And, it, and even hearing you say that now, like I have a greater appreciation for, cause when I was, you know, a freshman trying to figure out my way, trying to pick my major, uh, you were a huge influence in that man. And just like hearing you on radio, your demeanor with coaches, your demeanor on the radio with personalities. I knew whether it was like a Nick bar or whoever it might be, was exactly what I wanted to be. And so it was like really, it's one really just cool to be on a podcast with you right now, knowing how much you kind of meant in that year of my life. But two, it was just cool because I came back to Jim and I was like, he was like, all right, so you listen to it? And I was like, yep. He was like, do you like it? And I was like, yep, but I still want to be in communications because I don't like the way my voice sounds. Like, I don't know. And so that's why it's great, man. And I appreciate you because just in finding my way and making my transition... You meant a lot listen, for that. So I, listen, I, I just got to shout am, you out, and I appreciate you. I am so appreciative of that. And I got to tell you a story now that you just brought up Dorsey. So he pitched for us in, in co-ed softball, and I'd always make fun of him because, you know, he'd smoke a pipe, and then he would go out. And, I mean, he, he wasn't real crafty on the mound, but he was real steady. And he said – this is a Friday night. We just got drubbed. We split a doubleheader in the last game. We got drubbed and, and we were talking and he always knew about the show. Right. So he'd always talk about the show and he said, Hey, he's got, he goes, I got a guy. I got to get you in front of him. I got a guy. I got to get you in front of him. He's like, man, he's young. I think he's impressionable. I heard you. He, I, I, I really don't want to get emotional, but I had just come off of, doing a show about a, a, a friend of mine that that uh, we I had lost recently. And so I was a little emotional and I was talking about, you know, good people and, and being around good people and, and having some courage and conviction. And he said, you know, you've you got to meet Scurry. He, I, he goes, he's just getting started. I, I, he's super bright. He's a little gun shy. Like, I just want to empower him because I, and 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 in, I call him JD. In JD's words, he said, "I think he can be great. I just want him to be great." And I was like, "Hey, man, anytime." And he kept telling me he didn't want to bug me. And I was like, "Jim, it's whatever." But I'm telling you, sure as I'm sitting here, you ask him that story. We were sitting in the bleachers. There were four of us left in the parking just chopping it up. He asked me if I was okay because the week was emotional. And he told me that he thought that you could be great and you were just a pup. God is my witness as I'm sitting here. That's the absolute truth. That's my guy, man. That's Jim. Jim is the best. And I'm I'm, I'm I'm happy he compared me to you. I'm happy because I, as a freshman, I needed that boost to get to be, for someone to tell me I could be like Damon Benning and tell me to go listen to (laughs) Benning in the morning at the time. Listen, and just tap into you, that, man. It, it meant the world to me. So, no, nah, I appreciate my, you, man. My man would come out and pitch in pajama bottoms, plaid before the kids. Man, he would come to work in pajama with bottoms. A, with he a, would be in study yeah. hall in pajama bottoms. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he was a closet genius, and he never told anybody. He just was 
he was something else, man. Good on you. I, I appreciate that, man. That might make the rest of my night. I might be yeah. functional at the house now, fellas. Well, I mean, I don't think this is any better way to wrap up because really appreciate you guys hopping on and sharing your time with us because it's, I don't know if this podcast exists without your guys' influence. Seriously, like it's it's I'm not overstating that. So really appreciate you guys. Man, I'm time. just I'm just I'm just glad you like me. I've been telling stories about you on there. <laughs> I like talking to you for years. I love and you, I man. What are you like, talking about? And I was just like, I think I like him more than he likes me. Like I nah. said that out loud. So I appreciate there's it. No, there's no D- way that's DB, true. you said like me you. last week. I'm like, wait, Matt and I, you we get to talk about boxing and somebody else is gonna hear it. Yeah, like, for real. Awesome. I know. No, I, I don't we're, worry. We're I, letting everybody else like into our our, our conversations. We've been doing this exactly. For years. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I said this out loud, and that's why Matt and I started a podcast. I was like, "Wait, you you care about what I have to say? Oh, oh, we we yeah. need we need Matt D. Marina unfiltered. That dude has got some thoughts. Yeah, that's, this is, that's, that's what Scurry in the Scrub is. Yeah, Scurry in the Scrub. Season six, we'll get him there. We we exactly. got we got to wait a couple of years before we take the filter off of him. I'm, I'm gonna pr- promote the heck out of this podcast, man. You guys do good work. I said yes right away. I tried appreciate to pull you, it off you. last week leaving Indy. So anytime you guys need me, <laughs> yep. I'm in there. Appreciate you guys, Tony, Damon. Thank you very much, my man that's Jordan. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning into the pod. Hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. Um, you know, we're Scurry in the Scrub. We're pumping these out like crazy. We know we'd let you guys down last season. Well, you know, we, we had, we had some We're things back, going baby. on. We're back. We're back, baby. Um, so hope you guys are enjoying it. Uh, we'll come back at you guys again soon. Uh, for Tony Boone, Damon Benning, Jordan Scurry, I'm Matt DeMarinas. This has been Scurry in the Scrub. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good week.